going to get ready to receive the tithes and offerings so if the ushers will get ready. And, you know, um, I was on vacation for the last, the last couple of weeks, but one of the last things that I did before I went was I was helping serve in the kitchen. We have a camp that's on our premises um, each summer called Legacy. It's high school students from around the island, around the state of Hawaii. And they come and they get to hear the message. They get to hear um, hope. And they get to be here and have a good time. But we were serving lunch. And there was two ladies that had flown over from Oahu to help with the, with the camp. And I got to meet them, and we were talking. And what I didn't know was that one of the ladies was the mother of one of the youth leaders. And she flew over. She didn't know who Jesus was. She didn't have a relationship with him. But her son was so committed to this. She said, I got to know what this is. It's got his attention and got him so excited and passionate that he's willing to come out here for a whole week. So she came and she worked in the kitchen and she served and she made breakfast and lunch and dinner and all that. And during camp, that woman received Jesus as her Savior and Lord. And I was thinking, you know, it's so cool how God uses the simplest things. He uses serving in the kitchen for camp to draw someone far from him, near to his heart and close to him. And that's what we all get to do. We get to partner with God. Paul said in, in a letter to the Corinthians, he said, Apollos watered. Um, I planted, Apollos watered, but God grows the seed. And basically what he's saying is every one of us has a gift. We have a talent. We have something that we can give to God. And in tandem with other people and with God, people who don't have a relationship with him get a chance to know the God who loves them. And when we give our tithes and offerings, what we're doing is we're investing in God's kingdom so that others would get that hope. And he's getting to grow and forward his kingdom and his message because we work in partnership with him. Now, if you're visiting here for the first time, don't feel after all that you have to give. You can receive the message, receive the hope that's in the message. Um, you can give if you want to, but you can just hear what Pastor Sheldon is saying. If you're from another church, then we understand your tithes go there. But if you're saying, my heart beats with new hope, I like what's going on here. My heart is in tandem. I want to partner with God. Then this is where we get to bring our offerings and our tithes and then watch what God does. Would you bow your heads? And let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for allowing us to be part of your kingdom, allowing us to work with you, to partner with you, as you draw those who need you and need your hope closer to you. Lord God, would you use everything that we bring, everything that we give, would you multiply it, or would you further it so that your kingdom would advance and others may know the hope, the love, and the courage that you bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, Pastor Sheldon is continuing the series, What Do You Mean? And he's talking about words that we use that maybe people don't understand or they have a different understanding. And he's talking about words like grace. And today he's going to talk about freedom. And a lot of us know about freedom. We've been set free. So we want to congratulate the 25 that were water baptized last week. What a great decision. So after service, uh, if you were baptized, then we can pick up, you can pick up your certificates at the Yes table. It used to be at the Information Center, but uh, we want to do it at the Yes table. That way we can meet you, congratulate you once again. And at the same time, uh, if you have any questions, you can ask them. But what a, what a joy it was to be there uh, with you and, of course, some of your family members. But those types of dis decisions that we make is more than just a decision that we make on the fly. It's... Uh, and, and in fact, if some of you that were there did make the decision on the fly, that means God spoke to you and you obeyed, and that is incredibly important also. And for some of you, that's been on your heart for a while. 
So a way to go with obeying the Lord in who he's making you to be and celebrating that uh, with everyone else. Today, as we talk about this word freedom, it's, it's a word that we, we hear often. Uh, but before we get into our, our message today, I want to uh, cast some vision on a couple of things. And one of them is uh, next year, a trip that we're going to take to Israel. We want to take a group of you to Israel. I went there that last year, or 2016, I believe. And uh, it, is, it is more than just life-changing. You know how they say when you visit Israel, it brings the Bible to life? Yeah, it does that, but it also brings you to life. You walk where Jesus walked. You get to see the places that he was at. You get to see the areas that, they, uh, that the disciples struggled with Jesus uh, when, when Jesus, uh, before Jesus went to the cross. So you, you experience a lot of the areas where Jesus was, also where his disciples were. And it's just the Holy Land. Uh, you, you visit Jerusalem and, and you see the temple. But you also learn the history behind it and you see firsthand uh, the areas. So it really does open your eyes when you read the Bible now because you see in context what was taking place and where everything was. Uh, it just, it's, it's, a, it's an experience like no other. So it's going to be next year, 2019, September 2nd through September 12th. So if God puts that on your heart, we're going to have some meetings to give you more information on what that looks like, and then you can attend them. If you're, if you're a little skeptical and you're saying, well, I don't know, it's kind of far, it costs a lot of money, uh, I'm not sure how safe it's going to be, now you, if you have all those questions, still please be involved with the meetings because then we can answer all of the questions that you may have, and then we can help you in what it looks like uh, for the financial part of it. Uh, but next year, Israel... Uh, I, I really encourage you, if God puts that on your heart, to be there. It is unbelievable. Okay, that's one thing. The other one is uh, back in 1992, some of you may not have been born, but in 1992, October 4th, is when this place opened up. We call this the gathering place. And when we came in here, there wasn't this stage. It was actually further back. We didn't have carpets, and we didn't have these chairs. We had brown chairs. Uh, some folding chairs, and we had, you know, whatever we could get, that's what we had. And then when we came in, we turned on these big fans, and it kicked up all the dust from the cement, and it was just a cloud of dust. Some of you were here. Yeah, we all old, or getting older. So we, we remember that. And that was the builder generation. We were the builders when we came in. We, were, we had a building fund that we raised finances to build this entire place, the whole property, which sits on a 19-point eight acres, I believe, and cleared everything. It was all pasture lands. So we all gave to the building and, and the project and, and what was taking place because there was a vision that God would bring people and that he would give them hope and that people would find Jesus. And many of us found Jesus because the builder generation built this place, of course, through the Lord, but then all of these structures were built. And then came in the generation that was the addition generation. We added carpet, we added chairs, uh, we added air conditioning, we added uh, better sound. Uh, we also added the playground for the children. We added the covered walkways. Uh, the fellowship hall, we, we added more, we we're trying to add more chairs and different types of tables to bring people closer together to provide a different atmosphere. So we, we added on certain things as, as time went on, and many people found Jesus during that time. Well, there is a generation now that this is where we are. And some of you have been here from the beginning. So you're the builder, you were the, the addition, but you're also the upkeep generation. 
the upkeep generation is the generation that upkeeps the building. We keep the building going. And it's more than just the building. It's not, we don't worship the building, but we come to a place where we worship the Lord in the building. So the building goes through some ups and downs. It goes through some, uh, some rain and some sun. And so as the building gets older and as the property gets older, we still need to maintain it and make sure that everything is stewarded well. So we have leaks here and there. We've got to patch those up. And, and to maintain a campus this size is endless. There is always something that we need to fix or upkeep or change or upgrade. There's always something. So that's this generation. Uh, and by the way, we had some trees that were planted some time ago to put a barrier so that we could at least give our neighbors some privacy as well as uh, when we would have youth uh, ministries and, and different things outside would, would have a sound barrier. But things have changed and those trees have grown up. Because those trees have grown up, we want to be good neighbors to our neighbors. And so it's creating a lot of rubbish for our neighbors as well as being unsafe because of the telephone wires. So it's going to cost a huge amount of money to take down those trees. And I know for some of you, because you care about the environment, you're wondering, then what are you going to do with the trees? We want to repurpose them. So there is a, a whole goal behind it, but it, it costs. So what I'm asking for you, uh, asking of you, is that you would pray and ask the Lord if you get to be a part of this now generation of keeping up with the facilities. And Heidi and I have been contributing to the building fund since the early 90s, and we continue to do so uh, because we see that everything that we do goes towards people finding Jesus Christ. As Pastor Marsha was, was sharing, when we had Camp Legacy, someone found Jesus who wasn't even a high school student. And she found Jesus. So everything we do is attached to a soul. Our hope is that people find Christ. So that's what that building fund is all about. It also maintains the building, but things pop up here and there. And we want to make sure that uh, we're being wise stewards over what God has blessed us with. So I know for some of you, you're thinking, I don't have the finances to give over and beyond. Then you just pray and ask God that he would provide. And that for those who are able to, then just obey the Lord. That's all we're asking, that we all come together and obey the Lord and see what he does. And then in the memo, you're going to put building fund. That's what Heidi and I do. We write out our tithes because we know God is going to use it to find people who are far from him. And then we put another uh, a contribution in there and we put in the memo we just put uh, building fund and so if you if you feel the lord calling you to do that one future generations would appreciate it because they're going to come to know jesus and then secondly when we get to heaven and we see what god did through our finances we're going to be rejoicing because great is our reward in heaven it's not going to last here the rewards that we get here uh, our homes and the temporary things but everything in heaven now that's eternal and so I pray that we would have that eternal perspective, okay? But those are the two things that I would, I would ask you to pray about. Okay, well, we're going to jump into our message. Uh, and we are talking about this word freedom. So you can take out your bulletin or your, your notes on your app. And we're going to take a look at this one scripture that has been like the centerpiece scripture for this series in the book of Hosea. In the book of Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6, it says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And the reason why we're destroyed because of a lack of knowledge is because knowledge helps us move in a certain direction. And when we lack knowledge, especially the knowledge of Jesus Christ or God, 
then we're not going to be able to be in alignment with God. We're going to miss here and there. So what we will tend to do is if we don't have this knowledge of God, we're going to try to find freedom in other ways. In fact, here in the United States, that word freedom is tossed around a lot. And we have the freedom to do the things that we can do. We have the freedom to choose to worship God or not. We have the freedom of speech. And so with this freedom comes a lot of responsibility. There are consequences to our freedoms as well as ramifications to our, our freedoms. It depends how we use this freedom. And the same is true with God. If we don't, if we don't use our freedoms correctly in God, even, even freedom in Christ can go astray. So we want to make sure that we're utilizing this word correctly and that we understand this word correctly. When I was a teenager in high school, I remember, I remember thinking to myself, why can't I do what I want to do? Why, why, why can't I go out with my friends tonight? Well, because you did this and now you're punished. Well, well what's going to happen to me if I go out? I can, uh, why can't I do what I want to do? And my mom, whenever I would want to go to some place that seemed dangerous to her, like hiking, then she would say, nope, you're not going hiking. Nope, you're not going. So I wouldn't tell her. And then I would just go. So I used my freedom of choice to disobey my mom. And that wasn't a good thing. And then I came to a place, because I felt like my mom wasn't giving me freedom, I came to a place that I, I said to myself, and I, and I told her, I said, you know what, mom, I cannot wait till I turn 18. I couldn't wait till I turned 18. I was waiting for the day that I turned 18. I couldn't wait because 18 was freedom from prison. 18 was freedom from the rules of my mom. 18 was freedom from whatever was holding me back from being the very best that I could be. That was my thought. And then as an adult, I realized, wait a minute, 18, the 18 is, is, is more responsibility. 18, yeah, I'm free. I can, I, I'm, I'm an adult now. And now I pay my own bills. Now I got to get my own job. What do you mean I cannot use the car? That's my car. No, 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 no. You're 18. You're free. You're free. Go free. Walk. Go free. Walk is free. So I, I used to think that, oh, 18 was going to be so much better. Oh, but, but no, it's so much different. It's like, wow, 18 is freedom. Oh, what? What, what you mean I got to pay rent? Yeah, you live in my house now. You got to pay rent. What do you mean? It's my house too. No, 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 no. I took the mortgage. See, that's my name. I pay the bills. So you can, you can pitch in too. See, 18 is different than what we think. Or it should be. I know as parents, we're, we're gracious with our children. We kind of taper them off. You know, they're still kind of like on the, on the, what do they call that when the babies suck on the pacifier? It's still, there's still, the, there's still that, that stage. So I understand that we're trying to help our children and, and that's fine. But there comes a time in life where my mentality of freedom has to be attached to the mentality of responsibility. And so it is with our relationship with God. He has given us freedom, but with that also comes the responsibility of how we think. I used to think freedom was doing whatever I wanted to do. But that's not what God says freedom is. There's this game that for some of you as families, it is banned from your family. It is called monopoly. If you're a competitive family, monopoly is not the game to get to bring you closer together. Monopoly is, I don't know what happens. Like in the beginning, it's like, yay, oh, you bought this place in. And as time goes on, and some of us know the game, you, you buy properties and then you build houses and then hotels and then you charge other people rent and they have to pay you. 
But after a while, if they cannot pay you, then you hold it over them. So you know what? You don't need to pay me now, but if I land on yours, I don't have to pay you. So you can, we kind of work some deals. But there is this one thing, and I didn't know this was a rule or wasn't a rule, that I thought when you go to jail, you could still collect from your properties. So I would want to go to jail, and I would hope that I could get to jail and be safe in prison, but still collect. See how greedy? That's how it happens in Monopoly. You start to strategize. You change rules. And so I didn't know that when you're in prison, you couldn't even collect. That's actually how it is. So, but we modify these things. We modify it so that it could fit our needs. And we modify it so that we can play the game. When it comes to the freedom with God, sometimes we modify even that. With Monopoly, there's a get-out-of-jail-free card that you can use anytime. But if you like it in jail, you're not going to use it. With God, if you're okay with not being free from all that He has freed us from, even the freedom that we have in God, we're not going to use it. But what does that do for us? How does being free in God help our life from everyday things that we go through? The book of Galatians says it like this, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. See, the freedoms that God gives to us is different from the freedoms that we have in our country or the freedoms that we have uh, from imprisonment. It's a kind of freedom that is spiritual, and it can only come by believing in Jesus Christ. And here's what it looks like. In Romans 8, chapter 1, verse 3, this is such a, a, a scripture and a, a word from God that for many of us, we really need to put this in our hearts. It says, therefore, meaning that because you're free now, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus, but uh, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And, he so, and so he condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, God didn't bring condemnation on you and I. He took that out on his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, you and I are free from condemnation. Well, what does that word condemnation mean? It means to give judgment. It means to penalize. It means to punish because of what was done that was, that was wrong. You're judged worthy of punishment. Or, or you condemn one's good example to render, or you're condemning from someone's good example to render someone else who is wicked and less than. In other words, because this one person is so good, it can make this other person look so bad. And God says, I am perfect, you're not, but I'm not holding that against you. You have no condemnation. In other words, don't, don't feel like you're unworthy to come to me because I already paid for your worth. So not that you're worthy in the sense of you're, you're so important and valuable in yourself. It's you're so important and valuable to God because he made you. So therefore, there is no condemnation but there is love. And so we may feel 
invaluable or unvaluable or unvalued, devalued. We may feel like there is no worth in us. And God is saying, I made you worthy. I bring you your self-worth. I bring you worthiness. So therefore, you can always come to me. I'm not going to condemn you anymore. It's also a word that means to express severe disapproval of something or someone. It's one thing that someone is mad at you, but when they disapprove of you or they're disappointed in you, that's another thing. We can deal with parents being mad at us. You know, when you're growing up, you do something, mom or dad gets mad, okay, we patch things up. But when you do something that disappoints them, it's, it's heartfelt. You feel that you let them down. And sometimes we feel that we let God down and God says, but I'm not condemning you for that. I know you feel that way, but you're, 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 so, you're so worth me dying for you. And so what does that look like for us? How, how, do, we, how do we benefit from, from this freedom that we have in God? And how do we walk this out? Well, we're going to look at three powerful benefits that come with the freedom that we have in Jesus. And here's the first one. That through Jesus, we are no longer separated from God. I don't know if you know this, but sin separates us from God. But because of what Jesus has done, we are no longer separated from God. We're free from the law of sin and death. See, sin separated us from God here in this life. And if we stay there, death will separate us from God for all of eternity. But because we receive Jesus, now we have eternal life. So now we're no longer separated from him, not just in this world, but in the world to come, in a place called heaven. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 says that the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. See, that word oppressed means to be broken into pieces. That's what oppressed means. I didn't know I was broken into pieces until I met Jesus Christ. Like when I looked at how perfect he is, it almost, I almost felt like how bad I am now. But he says, no, no, that's the law. The Ten Commandments were given to us so that we would have a moral standard to live by and to be governed by a set of ways to live. But what the law did is show us how incredibly bad we were. What the Spirit does is it shows us the potential that we have in God. It's like when you break something. Have you ever broken something like, uh, like something that was like a bottle and it broke in hundreds of pieces? You can't even put that together. What Jesus does is he says, you're broken in pieces, so I'm going to give you a brand new life. And so he does that. And now with this new life, we have a new hope, and now we can live this new life for him, drawn back to him, no longer separated, broken into pieces. He says, I can bring healing to your body. I can bring healing to your soul. And we never realize how far we are or how broken we are until we find healing in Jesus Christ. And then we look back on our life and we say, boy, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you have made me into the person that I am today. And because we're no longer separated from God because of Jesus dying for all of our sins, his spirit lives in us. And now that his spirit lives in us and we've received him into our hearts, now we can live that life that is healed that's the freedom that we have in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 tells us, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. We're not held captive anymore by the weight of sin or our past or the, the things that we've done wrong. We now have freedom in Christ. Now there are consequences, absolutely, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
If you've been feeling condemned or shamed or guilt and you're carrying that, come to Jesus because he says, I'm going to lift all of that from your life and I'm going to give you a brand new life where there is no condemnation because I don't want you any longer to be separated from your Father in heaven. We're no longer separated from God. And the second thing is that sin no longer has power over us. Sin no longer has power over us. When you understand this concept and you understand this truth and this principle, then you're able to have power over sin. Yes, we're sinful creatures. We, we tend to drift towards sin. But when we understand the freedom that we have in God, we're not going to use our freedom to sin. We're going to use our freedom for God. And that freedom has power with it. My son and I were wrestling when, when he was young. He's 30 now, but I think he was like three or four years old. And we would play wrestling. His favorite wrestler was Hulk Hogan, and I had to pick another wrestler. But the, the, the interesting thing was when we would play, you know, as parents, especially as dads and with the son, you're going to rough him up a little bit. So I'd pick him up and body slam him on the bed, not the concrete. That was the other time. But this time it was on the bed, safer. So we're playing on the bed and we're, we're wrestling starts getting mad. He get, he's getting mad because he's losing, because I ain't giving him that much chance. He has to learn the hard way, and he's four, so I'm thinking he's going he's gonna to learn some things. So I'm, I'm playing with him, flipping him over, and I pin him down, and he's trying to kick up, and so he gets mad. And then he says this, Dad, you cheat. Cheat? What do you mean I'm cheating? He, yeah, you're holding me down? I said, that's what wrestling is. I'm supposed to hold you down, and I got to pin you, and you got you to gotta kick out of it. And then you got to get out yourself. He goes, yeah, but you're just holding me now. You're cheating. I said, I'm not cheating. And he starts crying. I was like, why are you crying for? Because you're cheating. I said, I'm not cheating. This is the whole point to wrestling. you got to get out of this. And what are, what are you going to do when daddy's holding you down? And I grab you by your leg and I twist you up. And he's like, you're cheating. Oh, can I breathe? Can, can I breathe? I said, well, I'm not even doing anything to you. So we're wrestling. After a while, I said, I don't want to play with you. you junk. And in my mind, I'm thinking, good. You got you to gotta toughen up, boy. But this is, this is what I tell him. I said, you know what? Who are you? He said, what? And I said, who, who are you? He goes, what? I said, you're wrestling. Who, who's, who are you as the wrestler? He goes, Hulk Hogan. I said, who? Hulk Hogan. Who are you? Hulk Hogan. Who are you? Hulk Hogan. Who are you, brother? Hulk Hogan. Then he starts going crazy. Then he jumps on me, grabbing me by my neck, pinning me down. He, just, like, he had this full ball of energy now because he remembered who he was. And it's like our mentality when we, when we drift from remembering who we're supposed to be and that we, we have that power, if we drift from that, we depend on circumstances. Our emotions get the best of us. And just in a simple way, as our minds do that here in this life, how much more does our spirit want to do that with God in the spiritual realm? That we tend to forget that we have power over sin, and sin comes at us, and, and temptations come at us, and, and certain things come at us, and, and we think because we have this freedom, oh, I can choose whatever I want to. Yes, you can, but don't forget you have power over that sin. For some of us, we're going to have to stand before a mirror or something and just repeat to ourselves, who are you? I'm a child of the king. Who are you? I'm a daughter of the most high. I'm a son of the most high. Like, you've got to say that to yourself. And if you have to get to that place of, I'm the, I'm the son of the most high. I'm a child of the king. Yell that to yourself in the mirror. Just make sure you're by yourself because then if people are around, it may be kind of weird. 
or go in the fellowship hall right there in front of the big mirror and do that. It'd be so great. But we have to. We got to remember. We got to remember that we have power over sin. So when certain things come our way, we have a freedom to choose because we have the power over sin. Don't let sin overpower you. You overpower it. Galatians five, one verse, uh, verses one and thirteen says, "It is for freedom. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery." You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, this freedom from sin is to live free from it, not to use the freedom that we've been given to jump back in and once again do the things that are contrary to God, the things that he saved us from. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says it like this, Live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. As God, live as God's slaves. And I thought, God's slaves? Like, we just have a bad taste of that word slave in our, mind, uh, in our mouth because of slavery. We understand that. So when the Bible says, live as God's slaves, Peter clears it up just in case. And in 2 Peter 2.9, he says, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Whatever has mastered them. In other words, if anything, if you're going to be a slave to something, be a slave to God because he is the best master that we could have. Because it's not the type of slavery that we think of that we're stuck in this thing, but that it's a kind of slavery that he's a good master to us and he will help us walk through this life in the freedom that we have in him. Because now he's our master. I was playing with my grandson, Jaden. He's eight years old, and he was playing this game that he had me download on my phone. And he said, Papa, you can play with me. So I'm trying to learn this game. And it's, it was confusing. He's telling me, Papa, you got to run. There's a storm coming. you got to get to the safe zone. Some of you know this game. So I'm trying to learn this game. And, and I said, where are you? He goes, look at your map. I'm like, what map? He goes, there's a map. You have to click on the map. He doesn't even help me. He's just playing his own. And I'm out there all by myself. And so I'm, I'm trying to plan and I'm trying to figure this thing out. He says, okay, Papa, you got to build, you got to build, you got to build. I'm like, I don't even have tools. He says, no, no, you have tools. You got to press this, press that. I'm like, you know what? Can we just win this game? Just, 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 just try this. So we end up winning. At the end, I didn't even know what happened. It just says, number one, victory. <laughs> so I take a screenshot of it on my phone. I'm like, huh, we won. So I'm high-fiving my grandson. I'm like, right on, Jaden, we won. Victory, right on. He's like, yeah. Like, aren't you happy? He goes, oh, well, we win all the time. I'm like, but this is my first time, so you better celebrate. You better feel good like me. Don't just, oh, yeah, we won. It's like, let's, let's go get some ice cream or something. Let's do something. <laughs> to him, it was just a normal thing. And then he says, Papa, let's play again. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Papa's good. He goes, oh, come on, Papa. I said, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I retire on top. I, in first place, I'm good. He said, he's, and then he said this, but why, Papa? And I, I said, because, Jaden, I know my weakness. And if I start putting games on my phone, you're not going to see Papa. Because <laughs> I'll be on my phone. Before I go to sleep, I'll be on my phone. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to be on my phone. While I'm driving, I'm playing and trying to... I, I, I know my weakness, and that's what I told him. Some of us know our weaknesses, too. Some of you are looking at your spouse and saying, that's you, your weakness is the kind. So we all have... We all have those tendencies to have, have a weakness. But 
as incredibly important as it is to know your strengths, it is also incredibly important to know your weaknesses. And when it comes to the freedoms that we have in God, it is very important to know our strengths, but also our weaknesses. Because sin is subtle. But we have power over sin because of what Jesus has done for us. It's a great benefit to understand this freedom. Not just no longer being separated from God or having power over sin, but then the last thing, that we can come to God at any time. We can come to him at any time. Any time. And I'm not sure if we realize the freedom that we have to come to God at any time. Well, can I come to God if I'm mad? Absolutely. What if I'm frustrated? Absolutely. What if I'm going through the worst time of my life? Can I still call out to him? Absolutely. Well, what if I'm doing well? Do I need to call out to God? That's probably a good time to call out to God, lest we go on our own. But God says you can come to me at any time. Any time. I can handle your difficulties. I can handle even the pain that you go through. Even though you may be mad at me, I can handle that. If you have to yell at me, I can handle that. Why? Because God sees our future, not just our present circumstance. And he's bringing us somewhere. There are promises that God has for us that are past our pain, past our disappointments, past our setbacks. And he says, but you've got to come to me. Even though you may feel that I'm distant, I'm right there with you. I have this candy jar in my office, and it's a clear candy jar. It's a good size. And the reason why I have that is because it reminds me to always welcome the children. So that candy jar is for children. So I always tell my grandchildren, even my children, but they're grown up now, so they don't, they don't qualify anymore. But the children, the young ones, even the staff children, I say, you can come into uncle's office anytime even if the door is closed. And the reason why I do that is to remind myself to welcome the children like how Jesus did. But it also reminds me to pay attention to children. That if my jar is running low, that means, up, oh, I got to think about the children again. So this one day, I'm meeting with someone. And by the way, thank you for being gracious if I'm meeting with you and children walk in. Uh, I teach them about respect also and to greet auntie or uncle, whoever's in there. So my grandson, Jaden is walking past my office, and I have this little window on my office where you can see in and out. And he walks by, and he just looks in, kind of sees who's inside. And I'm talking, and he walks back, and he looks inside, and he sees someone in there. And then I don't see him for a while, but I hear him walking. Then all of a sudden, I see his head pop up from the window. (laughs) And he looks inside, and he sees me and the candy jar and talking to that person. And he looks at me, and, and he goes, so I, I said, I said, I said Jaden, just come in. So he comes in. I said, do you want, do you want a candy? He goes, yes. I said, okay, go for it. So I'm talking to the person. He walks in like this. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here. The person is sitting here. The candy jar is right here. He walks in between of us like that. <laughs> and in his mind, he's like, yeah, I'm a ninja. <laughs> like they didn't even see me. They can't even hear me. And so while he's doing this, I'm like, Jaden, I can see you. You're, I, you can just hurry up. He goes, I'm sorry, Papa. I didn't want to bother you. <laughs> I'm like, I can see you. <laughs> this is worse than just walking in, thank you, and then going out. And then he walks out. And, but what I, what, I, what I want them to understand is I'm approachable. That at any given time, you can come in to see Papa or if, if uh, Uncle, you need to see Uncle, just at any time. I never want our children to grow up in a church where they feel unwelcomed. 
I don't ever want them to feel that or sense that. And some of them, they, they, they look in and they see that I'm with someone, and then they come back later, except Jaden. But he understands later. But what I love about that is it kind of reminds us of how God is, that we can always come to God. Sometimes we'll tiptoe to God. We'll be like, oh, I don't know if he recognizes me. I'm just going to walk into church and I'm just going to skip right out. But God, God knows we're there. The Bible says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so when we come to him, we don't have to tiptoe around God. He welcomes us with open arms. In fact, the Bible says he runs to us. Jesus gave a story of the prodigal son. And he gave the story of the father who saw his son who drifted away. That when he saw his son, he ran to his son. That's the picture that God wants us to see. That he runs to us. That's the freedom we have with God, that he's so relational. He wants us to be with him. The book of Ephesians says it like this, Ephesians 3.12, that in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I think we all want confidence. We all, wanna, we want, all want freedom and we all want confidence. We all want to be able to be free from the stresses of the world, the, the, the stresses and the burdens of the bills that we need to pay, the burden of, of providing for our families. We all want that, that, that freedom from the stress. But we also want with it the freedom and the confidence to come to God. And he says, you can come to me at any given time. We're free. We're free to come to God. So my prayer and my hope today is that in him and through faith that we can all come to God and find our confidence in him. We have the freedom to do so. I say let's do that today. Amen. You can close your Bibles, put away your notes. We're going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. And as we bow our heads and as we kind of gather our thoughts and learn about this word freedom, that it is, it, is, it is something that God gives to us because we're no longer separated from him. And so, Lord, this morning we pray to you. We can come to you at any time. We have the freedom to choose you. We have the freedom to come before you. We, we've, been sep- we've been separated from you, but because of what you have done by sending your one and only son, we now have complete access to you at any given time and that you have freed us from the grip and the power of sin over us. We have authority over the enemy. We have authority over sin. And so I pray for all of us that we would, that we would take up that authority, that we would follow you with our spirit and that we would live in freedom with you. I pray for anyone here this morning, maybe you're saying, I, you know, I've never given my heart to Jesus and I'm, I want that freedom, but I just don't have that. I've been carrying around a burden. I've been thinking of my past or things that I have done. Uh, my family is not doing well. There's struggles in the family and we're at opposite ends and people aren't getting along, whatever it is, that you can come to Jesus. And if you're here today and you're saying, I, wanna, I want to give my life to Christ I want to say a prayer with you. And as, as we say this prayer together, as you repeat after me, just include your heart. And in doing so, you're going to be receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you're going to have an exchange. His life, life eternal, for the life you used to live. And he'll exchange it. He'll give you a better life and life forevermore. 
And if you've prayed this prayer a thousand times, it's such a reminder on the freedom that we have in God. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I am free in you. I will trust you. I will walk with you. And I thank you for being my God. It's in your name that I pray. And if you're here this morning and you said that prayer to Jesus, I just want you to lift the hand real quickly and I'll say a prayer over you. And in doing so, you're saying, I just received Jesus into my life. Go ahead. If anyone said that prayer, okay, God sees you. Definitely. Absolutely. Okay, God sees you too. Back there. Yeah, it's eternal life. God sees you. God sees you. Yeah, back there. Okay. Yeah, God sees you. God sees you. Right here. Okay. And you said yes to Jesus. That is the best decision that you'll ever make. Okay. God sees your hands and he heard your prayer. You can put down your hands. Lord, I pray your blessing over these that said yes to you today. And that decision was one between you and them. And I pray that as they begin their walk with you, that they will never forget the freedom that they have in you. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen.